Thank you, worship team. Uh, it was wonderful to, uh, to have you lead us through these uh, wonderful carols. Uh, I think uh, we, we kind of wait all year, don't we, to sing, to sing some of these carols. It feels a little awkward to sing them in July. But we do look forward to December. We did have a family back in Beaumont that were friends of ours, part of our church. And uh, they had a very difficult time of getting together for Christmas. So you know what they did? They did it in July. They did it in July. <laughs> I came driving down the street one day. And here's this house all lit up with Christmas lights. And in the front window was this Christmas tree. And it was all lit up. And I said to Violet, I said... What's going on? I mean, it's not Christmas. She says, it's Christmas for us. She's got, we got family together. We're celebrating. So it doesn't really matter what time of the year we celebrate. We can always celebrate uh, the entrance of our salvation into this world. Father, this morning, we ask that your presence would move, that you would speak, that you would encourage, that you would lift us up, that you would give us hope. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I came into uh, the sanctuary this morning. It was actually kind of a wonderful um, welcome as I came in and saw all the decorations in the front of the foyer. And then I come into here and I see uh, all the themes that I'm going to be talking about over the Christmas period is up there, starting with hope. And I've entitled the message, Everyone Needs Hope. Everyone Needs Hope. Well, we've got Believe it or not, three weeks and three days until Christmas. It always comes so fast every year. It always surprises me. I say, I'm going to be ready this year. And then I take a look at the calendar and find I've got just over three weeks. But today we've begun the first celebration of Advent. When we think about Advent... I want to ask this question, and I, need, I want a response from you. Why celebrate Advent? It prepares the heart. Why celebrate? We light a candle each week. Why do we light the candle? Remember, yes. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Anticipation. Christmas is coming, right? We, we, we light this first candle and we get excited because there's this expectation that comes along with Advent. And, and expectation is all about hope. It's about hope. I want to talk about hope for just a few moments. What is hope to you? And I'm asking you for a response to You can just shout it out. What is hope to you? Something good to come. 
Okay, what does that entail? So your hope is to bring encouragement. Any other? Hope is Jesus, yes. There's no right or wrong answer here. Hope it comes from in here, doesn't it? Motivation. Yeah, there's all kinds of things. Sometimes we don't really think about it, do we? We just go along with Christmas and all the events and we don't really think about what it all means. What it's for. And hope is kind of a... I, I think I sense a struggle in how do we explain hope. Well, I remember when this football season started. I'm a CFL fan. But when the football season started, I'm this homeboy fan from Edmonton, the Edmonton Eskimos. And my hope was that the Edmonton Eskimos would get to the Grey Cup. About halfway through the season, I lost my hope. <laughs> the fact is, is I didn't really have hope at all. I had a wish. I had a wish, not a real hope. Sherry and I hope to spend Christmas with our children and our grandchildren. We desire it. We are planning for it. We are working everything out to get there, towards it. I would say that's hope. Real hope is a desire, it's an objective, it's an expectation that this thing will happen. That's hope. This expectation. Hope not only desires some future good, hope actually waits for it to take place with expectation. Most of us do believe that there is something better for us. And you know there is. There's a future. There's a future. And it's, it's about far more than just a few gifts under the tree. It's this expectation that we have that leads towards our, our eternal future. And so we all do need hope. So we could conclude from this part and say that hope looks forward. Hope looks forward. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bible and you want to follow along, uh, Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. And scripture here says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What is that? The glory of God. Good? Who is love, truth, and understanding? 
Jesus, right? I think Paul's talking about Jesus here. The hope of the glory of God. Ted uh, Bodette said this. He said, a person needs just three things to be truly happy in this world. Someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. Samuel Smiles says this. He says, hope is like the sunshine. As we journey toward it, it casts a shadow of our burden behind us and lends promise to the future and purpose to the past. It turns discouragement into determination. I like that. It turns discouragement into determination. It switches things around. Hope turns things upside down. Puts things back into the right place. Paul writes in Titus chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. He says, I Paul the servant and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the faith of God's elect. And the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have that. My whole future depends on this, what I like to call capital H hope. Real hope. Hope is not sentimental, uh, like some misleading advertisement. They do get us hopeful, don't they? And I like to use the word hopeful, because that's what advertisements do. They, they, they build this picture for you, and they build this hopefulness. When you go to purchase a project, uh, 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 when you go to purchase uh, something that they have advertised, you have this hopefulness that it will work. Like they advertise. <laughs> but you don't put your dependence on it. In fact, very often we go, okay, I bought this product. Does it work? Keep my receipt, right? We always keep our receipts because we never know because when we open it up, half the time we have to take it back because it doesn't work or something is missing or something is wrong. Real hope is the thing that fuels our hearts, our imaginations. It gives us vision to see the world and the future as God intends it to be. In Luke chapter 1, Zechariah was serving in the temple. It was his turn as a priest to serve. And he was in this holy place when all of a sudden... There was an appearance of an angel. And I don't know what Zechariah was, was praying about. But I can imagine. I can imagine that he had prayed along with Elizabeth for all their married years for a child, which they didn't have. They were childless. Now Zechariah was old and his wife was old. And I can only imagine that Zechariah was in this opportune place and say, Lord, I'm disappointed. We're too old now to have children. I don't know if that's what he prayed. 
I'm only imagining these things. But in the midst of, midst of all of this, suddenly there's an angel and, it's, and the angel says, you are going to have a child. You're going to have a boy and you're going to call him John. And, and we can see the picture. John goes, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. And the angel says, I'm going to show you that it's true. And he shut his mouth. And of course, when, when uh, uh, Zechariah came out, he believed. And it wasn't too long later, they had this jumping baby boy that was filled with the Spirit right from birth. Zechariah and Elizabeth had lost hope. But now they had regained hope. I don't know, maybe this is a little picture of Israel as well. Because Israel had not heard from God for over 400 years. No prophet came to share what God was to say to them. And they were wondering, is God still at work among us? They had lost hope. But then came the news of the Lord Jesus and his coming. And suddenly things began to change. Luke shares that an angel appeared to Mary and announced, you will be with child and will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Mary isn't quite like Zachariah. Mary believed. <laughs> and she thought it a privilege. But yet there was this, this thing. She was a virgin. She was not married. She, she had never been with her man. And, and her question was, how? How was this going to take place? And the Holy Spirit came over her and she conceived. Of course, when the, when the news got out to, to Joseph, he was disheartened. I mean, this was the love of his life. Everything got spoiled. Everything had to change now. His world was upside down. And, and in his time of despair, God sends an angel to him in a dream. And this angel says, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. Because this is my plan for you and for Mary and this little bundle that's coming into the world. Joseph's plans had been shattered. But now all of a sudden things changed again. They, they turned right around from, from being in this low place to suddenly going, wow, I get to be used by God for something wonderful, for something that God has planned in this world. I can imagine how excited Joseph was at that moment. He wasn't looking at the world anymore. He was looking at what God had for him and his family. Hope is not centered around the birth of Jesus. Rather, hope 
is centered around the ministry of Jesus. It's centered around the ministry. We celebrate the birth of Christ, but what we're celebrating is what it means. What it means. Hope is the unleashing of the gospel of salvation. Hope is opened, it's expanded, it's extended. And as we begin to look at the life of Jesus, did you know that Jesus had a beach ministry? He had a beach ministry. It, it didn't take place uh, like today where, you know, on, on Okanagan Lake or Skaha Lake where, where the beaches are all open and people are laying and sunbathing themselves. That wasn't the kind of ministry that Jesus had. Back in Jesus' day, people depended upon the water. They went down to the lake in order to earn their living, to go fishing. They, they went to the lake to wash clothes, to, uh, to, to travel. They, they used the lake to travel from one place to another, to bathe. The lake actually sustained life for people in that day. And Jesus went to the lake looking for people who wanted hope. And he, re he, he reached out and he began to reveal the hope that was waiting for them. Jesus spent his time on the fringes of big cities. He did go into the cities. And he often was confronted by those who were in leadership. But Jesus went to the fringes. And he came giving hope. For those who were sick. He provided a cure. For those who were hungry. He provided meals. For those who were tearful, he brought a laugh. For those who were condemned, he brought a second chance. When we look at the ministry of Jesus, we find that Jesus, Jesus um, didn't build his ministry in the center of power. He didn't use government or other high authorities to propel his movement. Jesus used people on the fringes. It's interesting because even today, if we look at movements that begin, they're not usually begun in the center of power. It's not usually our government that introduces something that goes across this nation. It's usually the minorities who gather momentum and begin to turn the world upside down. I want to share with you an example. And I know we often think of these, these, uh, these movements in a negative way. But here's one that was very, very positive. It, it began in Newtown, Poland on an empty square where a small group of Christians began to gather. What they did is they pounded together 
out of rough lumber across. They placed it in the middle of that piece of property and they put it there to mark the place of their future chapel. That's where they wanted to build. They were lobbying the government for a place where they could worship. When they placed it there and began to gather, the authorities came and tore down the cross. They rebuilt the cross and they gathered again and the government tore it down. Eventually they came with water cannons to disperse the people from that central place. But they were determined. They kept coming back to worship on those grounds. And in the middle of all of this, they realized that communism could not steal away their faith. Communism could not steal away their faith or their souls. They said the church is not a building. They said the church is celebrating the presence of God. The church is celebrating the presence of God. It didn't matter to them anymore if there was a building. It didn't matter anymore if the officials came and tore the cross down and tried to disperse them with water guns. They were determined to worship their God. It was also during this time that students in Romania discovered the reality that communism posed. And they also discovered that they had a choice. That spread not only from Romania, it spread into Soviet Union army and to other Soviet Union countries. In the meantime, in Newtown, hope began growing and it was becoming big. This was a little town that was built without God. God was not supposed to be in this little town. But now after all that had happened, 50,000 people gathered at the cornerstone of what was to be their house of gathering. More and more people saw hope and their choices to stand against communism. A few days after the 40th communist anniversary in the city of Dresden, following an evening prayer, 150,000 people took to the streets. Take a moment to let that sink in. It was shortly after that that the Romanian Baptist churches started a fast for a whole day and prayer. A few days later, the German communist cabinet resigned. November 9th, 1989, Berlin Wall came down. I don't know what it means to you, but I know I have lots of relatives in East Germany. What a day it was for them. Next, Czechoslovakia was on the road to freedom. Romania and other Soviet countries. And in a matter of months, the whole Soviet 
regime officially dissolved. We don't often know where it starts. Many credit uh, the uh, workers' union in the Soviet or in uh, Poland as the start. But I believe it started here. If you're interested, Chuck Colson in his book, The Body, has an excellent summary of all the things that it took place. It's a wonderful story. It's worth reading. But the point here is that hope is real. Hope is real. It's very real. Hope fuels one's faith and confirms that God reigns. Hope confirms that God reigns and that peace and justice are possible. Without hope, our dreams or dreams, our existence would become meaningless. What would we be living for if we didn't have hope? But then we have another question that we could ask. We could say, is hope practical? Is hope practical? Benjamin Franklin, I, I believe this is the person who uh, said this quote. He said, he that lives on hope will die fasting. We've got to think about that for a moment. He that lives on hope will die fasting. It's certainly great to have a lot of hope. But if that's all we have, it's powerless. What we find in hope is that, that real hope obtains reality. Real hope pursues something. Especially when it, is, when it is understood or embraced in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then hope takes us forward. Hope moves us in a new direction. Hope sets all of our regrets behind us. I don't know about you, but I know for myself, there are a number of sins that I had done in the past, and I go, man, I don't want to hang on to them. These are regrets in my life. But hope has put them behind me. They're no longer there. I can move forward. I can pursue with new expectation because I know that, that Jesus has so much more ahead for not only me but all of you. Hope says that today is worth living. Today is worth living. If you do not have hope, you do not have the excitement about tomorrow. But hope also doesn't deny the reality of pain in our lives. But hope shines light into the future. Hope doesn't mean that we no longer struggle. Hope means that we can move beyond our struggle. Hope fuels faith and faith fuels hope. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, it ties hope and faith together and it says this, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We find that hope is contagious. 
Hope is contagious. If you experience someone who has a lot of hope, they will take you from this level and bring you up here. It just happens. Um, things can become very difficult in our lives. We can become discouraged uh, by others or by circumstances. But hope brings this, this, this new inspiration. Hope uh, takes us from the place that we are and motivates us forward. It changes, us, changes our attitudes and actions. Hope is rational. Hope doesn't mean that we, we just don't do anything. We just sit and wait for something to happen. But hope takes us and puts us into the place where we want to be. The proverb of Benjamin Franklin, I think, is true. He that lives simply on hope will die fasting. Hope motivates action. And action motivates hope. We become more and more entrenched in what we see ahead when we are part of it. We hope for a closer relationship with God. But our actions have to follow that. I remember talking to a fellow once. And he was very interested in the gospel. He was very interested in coming to church. But he didn't have hope. He said, I'm not good enough. He was hoping that someday he could get good, become good enough to go to church. Hope takes action. I don't know of anyone who has great hope in God, but fails to spend time with God. Fails to spend time in the word. Fails to spend time with fellow Christians. Everyone who does that has great hope and great confidence. They are very positive. They are very passionate. They take others up. They lift them up. James says this, he says in chapter 2, verse 18. But somebody will say, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. I like that. Because faith is not just something we talk about. Faith is something that we do. And so we find that hope is real. Hope sees reality. Hope faces reality. Hope accepts reality. And hope rises with faith. I believe in a big God. A great big God where nothing at all is impossible for him. And I have hope in Jesus. Real hope. Because I know that Jesus can change the impossible. We heard that this morning. Change the life of this one man. Last week we heard about the life change in a young lady God is working out there. There are opportunities. Hope comes at the darkest times of our lives. It's not found in the festive time of Christmas, but it's found in Christ himself.
That's where hope lies. In Jesus, we have confidence. In Jesus, we have confidence that all things are possible. Over the last several months, since Sherry and I have been here at the Nazarene Church, there's something that I can see happening. There is a new passion. There's a new passion that is stirring up in all of your hearts. There's a desire for every one of you, not to move back, but to go forward. There is this sense that now's the time to move forward. Now's the time to go ahead. And there is great anticipation. That's what Jesus does. There's anticipation not only to, to see a difference in this gathering of people, but to begin to see a difference in our community. That's hope. That's hope. God has brought hope to the Penticton Nazarene Church. And I praise him for what I see. I praise him because there's no limit. There's no limit as to what he can do through you. As much as he can make a difference in one life, he can make a difference in your relationship, not only with him, but also with one another. Instead of sitting on the other side of the room because you don't want to talk to someone, God can bring you together in the center and to stand together and to work for him together. That's anticipation. That's hope for the future. Father, we thank you. We thank you that, that you are at work. We thank you for this first Sunday of Advent. We thank you Lord, that there is so much for us. And, and we want to be excited. We want to be open. We want to hear from you. We want to be used by you. We want hope to explode in us and through us. Personally and as a church. Because Lord, it's not about us. It's about you. And the desire of our hearts is to honor you and to glorify you with everything we have. And as we enter into this Christmas season, Father, may you work through your Holy Spirit in greater ways. Work overtime in us, Lord. Bring us to the place where you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.